It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. I'm David Kosh. Great to have your company for the next 60 minutes for the call where we analyse 10 stocks with two experts and give you an opinion on them all in and out. It's always a lot of fun and really fun as well. Uh, panel today, delighted to welcome back Mark Morland from Team Invest. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you too, Koshy. And Scott Phillips from Motley Fool. G'day, Scott. Mark, good afternoon. Good to be with you. Yeah. Um, any other adventures that you've been on? Any... Uh, any renovations you've been doing over the last uh, week or two? Um, Mate, Scott is very much the weeks. handyman of the three of us, I think. <laughs> I don't know if you, you didn't notice, Koshi, but uh, I did manage to go on a holiday out to Western New South Wales and did get the four-wheel drive bogged, mate. That one made social media and I was... Imagine you might bring it up, but I'll bring it up first just in case you got a photo looking yes, at somewhere. Yes, no, no, no. We, uh, we actually did follow your exploits and uh, mentioned it a number of times on the call as you're away. So, uh, so good to see you back safe and sound. All right, uh, before we get stuck into uh, your 10 stocks, we look at a stock of the day, a stock that I pick. And I thought today we'd take a look at uh, Seek, the online job ads platform. Uh, it's decided to scrap its final dividend for the financial year 2019-2020 uh, in order to keep cash on hand in uncertain times. 13 cents a share interim dividend was not paid out to shareholders um, um, until July 23, a delay of uh, more than three months, but Seek has uh, decided not to go ahead with it to keep the cash in case it's needed in the future, Mark. Um, yeah. What does that say about Seek? Do you still uh, like Seek in this uh, environment? I think, I think, and a good move. I don't think it doesn't say. It doesn't say much right. about Seek. Seek has quite a, a lot of debt, yeah. so their debt's quite high, and that that's obviously an aspect in their their management of cash as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether they've uh, they probably haven't breached any covenants or anything, but it's. Yeah. Um, uh, I think conserving cash is a logical thing to do at the moment. What yeah. we don't know, all I don't know, is how what's actually going on with all their businesses. It's quite a complex business because they're yeah. operating in so many countries now. Mm. Uh, in fact, it used to be a really, really good business, as in very, very high returns on equity and high growth. But over the years, as they've expanded internationally, the, uh, the return on equity has dropped down from about 25 down to 15 or 13 at the moment. And uh, the uh, growth rates dropped quite dramatically. Oh. So the last few years has come off. Now, that's right. because they've spent a lot of money yeah. in buying... Because uh, they're uh, in China no, they're, or all they're all over the place, yeah, yeah. Brazil, yeah. They're, they've got, they're very big footprint, which makes the business a lot more complicated, but their, their current growth rate's now running at about 2.6% um, a year. So it's come right off, that's the average right. over the last six right. years, which is not know. a growth stock. Yeah. Yet, it's on a PE of 48, which is which priced is a, at as, as the a growth stock. Well, I think it should yeah. be earning 20% EPS growth to justify that kind of PE. Right. And because that's so high, and, and by the way, it's a quality business, yep. and it has very strong moats, and has a lot of aspects that we like. Yep. Um, uh, but we're showing a negative return of about 2% a year negative at the moment, unless oh. they can start okay. lifting their earnings again. Right, okay. So way too expensive. 
for what it is and I'd like to see them starting to grow, grow again rather than being last four years they've been on decline. Scott, what do you think of Seek? I really like Mark's assessment analysis of the situation, Koshi. He's nailed it in terms of where the company's at, where it's going, what its opportunities are. I take a different conclusion though and maybe um, prepare to take a little bit more risk up, the, up that risk scale. Here's the thing, the way I look at Seek is it's a cyclical business inside a secular business. So let me unpack that. The cycle, as Mark's already highlighted, when job ads, when, when the unemployment is low, when jobs are hard to come by, when jobs are easy to come by, sorry, it's, it's a very different story to when the market's in a tougher position. We know job ads have been on the way, and we know the economy's been weakening here at home. That's been a constant headwind for Seek, the decline of growth. Now, I expect, particularly post-COVID, that growth to kick up again. And so I dare say, when we're looking at this coming in three years' time, we'll look back three years and say, look at all the growth. Now, I might be wrong, and to Mark's point, you know, the, the, we are seeing a decline. I think we're seeing a cyclical decline though, and I expect that we'll see Seek remain a cyclical business. It is absolutely exposed to the economic cycle. The other thing though is there's a secular growth story. He also, he's already again highlighted that the overseas growth story remains really, really strong. And I would say too, I expect they'll have this amount of pricing power like the real estate.coms of the world here at home. If you add those together, I'm prepared to pay up for a long-term story, particularly while uh, Paul Bassett remains at the at the company and running running operations there while they're well Andrew Bassett sorry while they're generating growth or investing for growth I should say with their own money so there yeah. is some element of believing in the secular growth story particularly internationally and believing the company's only going to spend or invest that money he thinks to get a decent return over the medium to long term so you have to kind of hold your nose wade through some of the softer numbers as Mark's already highlighted it is a buy for me. I like the stock. I don't own it personally, but one I happily buy at a cheaper price. Um, it's a very, very attractive business, I think, over the long term. And I think, like REA, like car sales and others, the full value of this will be apparent over time. Okay. Scott, um, let's go to the uh, stocks that our viewers have um, asked us to take a look at. Stephen wants a view on IDP Education. Now, this is uh, basically an international student placement business, isn't it, into universities where... Uh, helps international students get uh, get into uni, whether it's here, New Zealand, USA, or the UK. It is, Koshi, and that is exactly as our viewers probably realise right now, why this is such a tough Cactus. business to analyse. Yep. We're in a situation <laughs> where the, the business is simply, you know, absolutely flying into headwinds, an amazing number of headwinds on COVID, international tourism, international student exchange travel remains a massive, massive headwind for this business. And so there really is a concern about you know, how do you analyze a company like this given those headwinds now i'll set up for probably some of the other companies we'll talk about today so to kind of kick it off at the top we are in a situation where COVID is making a mess of all of the reported financials in august whatever gets reported in august we can almost put a line through because you know it's hard to take that number and say this is representative of the future some companies will bounce back and go to bigger and better things some companies will get worse and go broke others will kind of muddle along and do okay and we're really that's we're right in the eye of that storm right now we're gonna to have to come out the other side through more uncertainty and concern to a brighter future now we talked about seek already idp is another one of those businesses that is absolutely feeling a heap of pain right now as is the share price by the way uh, you can see that graph since february march of this year this is very much a story of how quickly do we get back to business and how much is that permanently or at least you know semi-permanently impacted um impact sorry the tourism market and the student travel market. Now, I use those two together deliberately because the simple reality is that student travel is part tourism, part education. We know that. And so how likely people are to travel, how likely they are to be admitted to countries like Australia and New Zealand is going to be the biggest headwind that IDP sails into 
I think this is a two plus year recovery. And on that basis, I think I'd probably give it a miss at current prices. Mark, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, all these different sectors and companies we're going to go through, as yep. Scott was saying, a few of them today, um, we just don't know no. the next year or two, do we? And no. Well, not in the short term, you don't. Yeah. I mean, I think in, I think in the medium term, for, for us, we work on a rolling five years. Oh, so right. really what okay. we're saying is, can we be confident the earnings are going to be greater in five years' time than yep. they are now? I would say yes with right. uh, ID, IDP. Um, um, but five years is a long time. Yep. And that's yeah, a long, yeah. way beyond most uh, investors' comfortable time frame. Yep. Now, unless you could buy it, it's such a bargain that you'd say, okay, the business has actually done very well. It's only got four years' history, uh, listed history, which is not a lot, but it's been a good four years. Yep. Uh, EPS growth rate's been just under 20% a year, which is mm. good. This is what, it's like Seek was. Yep. This is like yeah. an earlier version of Seek if you look yep. at it that way. Um, and, and the sales growth is about the same, 43% return on equity, which is fantastic. So all that looks great, but this is not, there's no numbers in here yet for the impact on coronavirus. Right. None. Yeah. So at the moment, if everything, if we didn't have coronavirus, I would say yes, passes all of our filters and it would be a buy returning 17% a year yeah. at the current price. Yeah, However, yeah. we know that's not the uh, reality. How much damage uh, the, or how much is going to change on the university intakes in Australia and then other markets? They, are, they actually operate in 33 countries. Mm, they're yeah, massive, so, aren't they? So, yeah. the, so I don't know how they, I don't know what percentage of the market uh, of their business is Australia. Uh, it's obviously a large part because they, they started here. Um, but still, the, the, it's not going to be better than it was, is it? No. So how, how much is going to deteriorate? The Chinese are actively saying, you know, don't come to Australia because we're racist and so on. Yeah. No, that's encouraging. So I don't think, I'd, I'd struggle to come up with any idea of what the earnings are going to be. Right. I think in five years, I'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and it's still on a P of 40 at the moment on its last earnings, wow. which were good. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is way, way too high. Yeah. I totally agree with what Scott said. The market is opti- being really optimistic and assuming it'll all be fine. Yeah. So Whereas you're sort of it's investing probably not, in It's the not going to be fine. How unfine it's going to be yeah. is yeah. the question. Yeah. So I wouldn't buy it either, but I, I like the business. A good company, well good managed. Company, I'd, I'd wait and see how, I'd at least want to right. see the next report. Right. And, okay. and see the commentary on what, uh, yeah, what's happening in the other markets as well to be able sure. to make a judgment. Okay. All right. That's some uh, good advice for you there, Stephen. Uh, Mark, Sam has asked an opinion on Credit Corp Group, a bit of a favourite of the call. This is a, a finance company that, that buys outstanding debts from major institutions and customers and yeah. you know, pays... 85, 90 cents in the dollar for those debts and then goes and collects it and more like, more keeps like 10, the margin. More like 10 to 20 percent. Yeah, 10, 10 to 20 cents more like it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, not so, and, <laughs> and try and get people to pay and, and keep the money. Uh, really well run business in a yes. sector that has some companies doing it tough, but it seems to do okay. Yes, yes. Uh, no, it, it's, 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 it's been a, a popular company in Team Invest. You yeah. know, a lot of our members, uh, shareholders, I'm not. How it is, I don't know how it is. He actually bought quite a lot in March, you know, when it when yeah. it dropped right down, which he's looking very smart now, you know, because it's bounced back uh, from uh, six dollars one. I think he paid six fifty or something. Yeah. It's back to seventeen dollars. Wow! So I wish I'd bought something in yeah. March. <laughs> anyway, um, it's um, uh, a quality business, very well run. They they've got quite a large and growing business in the US. Yeah. Uh, in the US, they're fairly they're a minnow, but the industry over there likes them because there's a couple of major players that are very entrenched and they, they're bringing some competitive friction in. Right. Okay. They claim that they're more efficient on how they collect money and, and, and operate uh, better than the uh, locals over there. Yep. Um, and uh, they did a, they, they, they've done a, they've done a capital raise, I'm pretty sure, on 
they've done a lot, and they've also reported their earnings, which are down about 78%. Right. But the, the reason the earnings are down so much is they've had to take a, um, a loss on their stock of ledgers. So they buy a ledger, and because of the unemployment, particularly in the US and to a lesser degree here, but still a big issue here, yeah. Is that they've devalued the uh, the ledgers because they're not going to be able to collect as much as so they, they normally. They've, they've written it down themselves. They have to. They have, to. Yep. they have no choice. Yeah. And the other problem they had, and which came out in their report, they said that they they're renegotiating all of their uh, agreements uh, on how much they pay. Because the way it works is they go to like a bank, or they'll negotiate with the bank and say we'll buy all your credit card bad debt, and they'll agree on a figure. So they look yep. at it, they work out what do they think it's going to cost them to collect it. So they, they have might, to make a profit. They might say. We'll buy it all for 20 cents yeah, in yeah. the dollar, and now they're going back saying, well, we'll only buy it for 10. That's right. And, yeah. and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. No. The only problem is the, the agreements are set up so that they take the ledges every week or month. Right. You know, and now what they're doing is they're renegotiating down, but they're, they're struggling to do that in yeah. a timely manner. Because right. if you think about it, if you're an American bank, for instance, why would you rush to do that? It means you're going to get less money for your, uh, yeah. you'll write it, you, know, you have to write off more. Yeah. So that's, that's been a drag. So right. it's not just the ledges they've got in stock, it's also impacting they're still paying too much for a lot of ledgers. Right. But they've got plenty of cash, as in facilities, uh, credit facilities as well. Yep. So they're very well positioned. And when they come out of this, they'll come out buying a lot of very, very cheap stocks. So as unemployment, uh, or cheap ledgers, which means as people get employed and it comes back, yep. they'll probably do very, very well. So while there's a lag going down, yep. there'll be a lag going right. up, which yeah, it's going to be. It's, it's going to be interesting, because we'll be discussing this with members next month uh, when we do our triage. Because it'll be different views on it, yeah. you know, on whether you wait uh, for a while. It has it has come back quite a way. It's back at seventeen dollars from six, uh, but still about half of what it was at its high before. Yeah. But for me, I think the unemployment issues, particularly in the US, are so severe. Uh, yeah. It absolutely affects their ability to be able. If you're unemployed, yeah, they're not going to be able to get people to pay come into a payment plan. No, no, no. Yeah. So, no. so also another one. We it's another coronavirus one where it does impact them fairly significantly. But a uh, very, very good company from a long-term point of view, in our view. Okay. So would you buy it at I, I, I wouldn't buy it now, no. 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 I'd, okay. I'd, if it goes back to $6, I'll buy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it might. Yeah, it could too. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm not. Uh, Scott, what do you think of credit call? I'll buy it at $6 too, so the three of us can go in on that one. Um, look, I, I agree with Mark entirely. I think the summary you've, you've both given is fantastic. This is a business that relies on the margin it makes between what it pays and what it collects. Straightforward. Right now, the game person to be able to, to try and you know forecast, predict what that number will look like. Uh, frankly, at some point, if it stops doing good enough deals with those whose debt it's buying, they're going to stop selling that debt or they're going to simply go take it somewhere else. So you're in a very competitive market. I think I like to look at Credit Corp and its compatriots as quasi-insurance companies, right? You got everyone out there offering to write that insurance or you know, in air quotes, that insurance. And pricing simply comes really hard from time to time. And that means you're, you're going to make it very, very tough to try and find enough margin left, enough collections you can do. Particularly again, we talk about the coronavirus and its long-term prospects. As Mark says, there will be an upturn at some point. And yes, the shares are half of what they were. So that's just, you know, the bargain hunter was looking at it saying, gee, I get a, I get a 50 cents in the dollar, that's a good deal. Unfortunately, as Mark's also said, when profit's down 70 or 80%, but the shares are only down 50%, well, guess what? You're paying more per dollar of profit for a business that's in some degree of short-term, maybe even medium-term trouble. Um, I don't know how quickly it recovers. I don't feel like you need to jump on this one. So I'd happily give this pass. I don't know if I'd rush to sell it. I'd probably give management a bit of rope if I own the shares simply because yeah. it's been around, it's done the job, as, as Mark said, done really, really well. And what otherwise should be a remarkably tough industry. This should be a pretty straightforward job, right? The collection should be reasonably known. Pricing should be very competitive. 
there shouldn't be a lot of excess margin to go around yet. Credit Corp managed to find some. So yeah, big wrap for its long-term past success. I don't know how long that's going to take to get back to that level of success and how much you're going to have to pay for it. I dare say there's better opportunities out there. But as I said, I wouldn't rush to sell. So put me out for a hold, Koshi. Okay. All right. That's uh, a hold for Credit Corp. Uh, thanks for that suggestion, Sam. Um, our next stock has been suggested by Louise Scott uh, Flight Centre Travel Group in that travel market, being battered, restructured enormously, raised capital. Uh, what do you think of Flight Centre? Yeah, and again, this is what I mean, that's why I set it up to start with as we started talking this hour. This is a story of how long, how far, how quickly. Um, the worst case scenario for Flight Centre is another massive dilution capital raise. In this case, it might even be worse than the one for one it had to do last time uh, if this travel lockdown continues. If your flight's in, you're sending nobody overseas, you're sending very few people interstate, and that shows no sign of changing. Uh, we only heard today, Jacinda Ardern saying basically the idea of the trans-Tasman travel bubble is all but dead, at least in the short term. Uh, that's massive pressure for these guys. And I think if your flight's in a shareholder, you're looking at that saying, man, how, how hard is this? Now, the flip side of that, shares are down 75%. And so most of that bad news is priced in. The, the problem, as I said, is there is a really, really big range of outcomes here. If this goes on for a long period of time, even the amount of money flight centers raised, even the cost cutting, I think they got rid of something like 75% of their costs. And we're talking about staff and, and shop fronts. Um, even that is not gonna be enough. They do have ongoing costs that simply need to be paid. And if there's no one coming in the door, no one booking those flights or, or trips online, very, very tough for flights to, to make a dollar. Uh, no, no, well, well said, Scott. I'll, I'll, I'll just add, add to that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you know them. You yeah, know them well. well know them well. Yep. Uh, I think I don't. I, the debt, what I do disagree with what Scott said is I think it's unlikely that they'll need to raise uh, more money or take on debt because they did a very, very aggressive yep. raise. And in fact, at the time we were quite shocked because it massively diluted Screw. You remember he yep. was the major, the largest shareholder. Yeah. So he basically what he went is, oh look, this is this is a catastrophic problem. Yeah. Uh, we need to make sure we got plenty of money to see through yep. the. Case scenario, it, went, it went early, went, went hard, hard. He's, really hard. Like, he's, he's the founder of it. He's actually doubled the shares outstanding. Yep. He was the founder of it. So, yep. so it's a quality company. The other thing is the way they've restructured it, they've turned it into a growth business again yep. and, and compared to what it was, where it was quite it was quite mature. They were really struggling to grow. You know, there was areas yep. of the business like US corporate travel they were growing in quite well. Uh, but they were you know, very low growth rate. In fact, it's averaged 1.3% over the last six years. So right. we've actually done really, really well on Flight Centre, but we're buying it. you've got to buy it at the right price right. as well. And I, I agree with Scott in that I wouldn't sell it if I had it, but I, I wouldn't buy it either right. at the moment if, you're, yeah. if I didn't have it. Because um, what we don't know is how long it'll take before there's enough travel uh, for them to get back into the black and start making money. Yeah. Uh, again, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but remember, it's a global business. Yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it, travel, like and like, it's hu- and it's huge, isn't it? Yeah. On a on a global. It's in the scale. top ten in the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, don't, I don't know whether it still is now that they've uh, you know the, the price has come down, but it's in that. It's definitely yeah. a global leading uh, yeah. travel supplier, and they've got a very and they said that coming out of this that more than fifty percent of their business will be corporate. Yeah, um, which is interesting because they've been repositioned. They've gone more down the path where corporate travel is, and that, and they've got rid of a lot of their storefronts. They've got rid of over fifty percent, right. right? Well over fifty percent, and they've cut their overheads by sixty-five. Right. Um, and I think they're going to be very lean. And don't forget what 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 investors have got to remember is if you look at a five-year horizon, I think you absolutely will be laughing in five years on flights. Right. Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah, is this, it hasn't actually recovered from the lows in March. Yeah. So could it go lower? Yes. You know, if the Victorian thing expands and we end up, end up more lockdowns, confidence will deteriorate again and maybe yeah. it'll come off even more. But I, it's actually priced at a level that um, it's assuming the worst, you know, pretty, a pretty, right. bad, pretty bleak scenario. Right. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. bounced at all from, yeah. uh, from March lows. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to have a reasonably long-term uh, time frame. Okay. And you may, you may end up being able to buy cheaper. I think at the moment, corporate travel is a better value. Right. Uh, oh, okay. We like both of them. Right. Okay. Uh, but corporate, corporate travel, I think, will come out faster right. than uh, Flight Centre will. This is my view. Now, I'm not sure we should have probably put the, in this one, but uh, Robin, <laughs> uh, you've asked for a view on Team Invest Private Growth. Now, should I go first with you, Mark, or no, go to Scott? Scott. <laughs> uh, Scott, Team Invest Private Growth, uh, listed vehicle, basically a private equity firm, isn't it, that helps early stage companies and growth businesses and sort of associated with uh, the Team Invest Group. Are you a director of it, Mark? No. Howard is yeah, Howard, director. Yeah, yeah Howard Colbert. We, we spawned it. Right, okay. Basically, we set it up as a private equity group for our members to invest in private companies. Right, And then okay. we listed it last year. Right, okay. Scott, what do you think of uh, Team Invest Private? Yeah, a really, really good question, Goshi. And obviously, Mark's the expert, so uh, we should be probably asking him for a little more, yeah, little more qualitative yeah. view. I'll give, I'll give a view from, from outside the business. Um, What's fascinating on this one is it's very much as Mark's already said, that private equity style approach to investing and you're going to have lumpy results. Now, fair to say, and Mark, you hope you're saying this, the share price hasn't gone the right direction for those guys just yet. But the reality is this is a cash box looking for, if you like the team invest guys, if you like their style of investing, they're trying to bring that to the table and then deliver gains over the long term with that one. So this is one you really shouldn't be looking over the short term and try to work out, you know, what, why is it not some sort of sudden recovery in the acquisitions they're making? They're trying to put cash to work for genuine long-term compound growth returns. And Mark's gone through in a lot of detail over his last appearances on Ausbiz, uh, the, the way the Team Invest guys invest. So if you like that, this is a vehicle and a way to get access to that sort of response or that sort of um, a strategy, I should say. And so that's why you would do it. Now, as Mark's already said, very early to try and judge the business as a listed entity and even frankly, as a private entity because of the way those businesses are bought and then kind of, you know, invested in held for long-term success. This is one you, I think you want to be buying into the idea and the strategy, very much either a jockey player or maybe even a style play, if you want to call it that, a sense that if you like what Team Invest do, then here's a chance to do that with a listed vehicle that allows you to buy in and out yep. as you would with another company. So probably one for, it probably is one for the risk seeker right now. Now, again, I may, Mark may disagree with that, but in terms of where, the listed company is as a business right now, there's not a lot of actual performance to recommend it's an investment in the company. Very much a story of if you believe in what's happening yeah. and you're prepared to take the ride, then jump in. Otherwise, as Mark himself, I'm sure would say in other circumstances, you may want to, if you're, if you're less risk tolerant, you may want to wait for some performance, some sort of um, proof in the pudding, if you like, before you go and put your money in that business. And so, it looks pretty illiquid yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, Mark's across the table, so uh, it's, it's an uncomfortable one. I wouldn't be investing in it just now personally you know, yep. because I don't believe in what we're doing just because I'd like to see a bit more of the colour of the money. Um, yep. But again, not from any perspective of not, not believing or trusting in what the guys are doing, just my style. Like with any yep. other newish uh, investment business, I'd want to see some performance before I yeah. invested. Yeah. And, and Mark, would it pass Team Invest for No way, place? no way. No. <laughs> and the reason it won't is I've mentioned lots of times we need yeah, a minim yeah. minimum of four, four years. years. Yeah. And, we, and we expect six years. So what Team Invest Private will have to do is meet all our criteria right. for the next four, for another, in the next three years before we would 
say passes our process. Right. Uh, but just adding on to what Scott said, I agree with what everything he said. It, it's, it, it hasn't even been listed for a year, not even yep. 12 months. Yeah. Uh, and basically what happens, you got listed. Uh, nobody knows anything about it because we didn't do, we didn't raise capital. We basically listed it to provide a market for our vendors' uh, shares and our members who had shares in it. Yep. So yep. we weren't trying to raise capital. Right. So it was very low profile and no brokers even know who it is. Right. So yep. uh, this will be the first uh, full year report coming out uh, in August, and there's about I think there's seven companies, seven private companies who own. They don't do startups. They they only invest in companies that have a good track record and are already profitable, right. where they can add value. And we don't yep. try and change. It's very much a Buffett style yep. um, approach to uh, buying companies. Yep. And there's no plan to sell them necessarily in a, in five years time. You know, as long as they're producing, they're doing well and contributing. There's no reason why the company won't continue to hold them. Right. I made a conscious decision. I didn't want to be on the board. Right. I focused on Team Invest and, yep. and how it's, that's a bit of a, a demarcation. Yep. Um, but the, the share price when we listed it was eighty something cents. It's now fifty. Yep. Uh, and that's coronavirus. So yep. It's just come down with the market. Yep. And nothing's nothing's happened. So until they report, there's right. nothing to talk about. Yep. Even. Okay. Uh, I suspect that uh, in uh, on a on a two year horizon. It'll be, look, come back and look like it's very cheap at the moment, you know, based on what I know about the business. But look, at the end of the day, it is speculative because it's got less than a 12 month history. It's a bit different to what most uh, yeah. people are used to investing in because yeah. it's a group of, <clears throat> uh, uh, a listed group that owns private companies. Right, As okay. A, so that's been so a, it's a, a bit listed investment company, but that owns private, that owns private companies. companies rather than that's other right. listed companies. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. Obviously I've got lots Good. of shares in it. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's your answer on that one, Robin. Uh, wait for the performance to come out probably a bit early. Uh, Mark, Ross wants an opinion on Class Limited. This is a, um, a software uh, yep. platform mainly for uh, self-managed super funds to, yep. to manage. Yes, uh, we have looked at it. Four years history as well. Yep. Uh, what they did is that this is a business that Team Invest really likes in that it has the characteristics we like, which is very strong moats because it's an annuity right. type income stream. Right. So they're providing the back end management for self managed super funds, uh, for accountants and so on. So yeah, they're providing the uh, the infrastructure to manage them. Yeah, right. it's a, it's a software as a service yep. uh, type ones. We love that because yeah. it's a reliable ongoing income stream. Um, as the, the what we didn't like about it when we uh, reviewed it in detail was it seemed to us that the original founders <clears throat> listed it to be able to cash out. So over the last three years, there's been a fairly wholesale departure of uh, capital out of the business and there's a whole yeah. new management. And the new management, it's a fairly young guy, I've met him, uh, who's the CEO, and he wants to aggressively grow the business. Right. Now, which is, okay, that's not a problem that's in right. itself. Yep. Uh, but what if they want to do well. is, the, the business is quite mature in the uh, sector they're in with, with uh, self-managed super funds, and they want to now go into uh, trusts and provide yeah. standardised trust structures for accountants on which a lot of our accountant members and so on are all rather dubious about because trusts are really complex. Yep. They're not yep. self-managed super funds, you've got rules. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that hard. <laughs> um, and they're, they're sure they can do it, mm. um, but they're spending a lot of money on it. They've added, they've increased headcount, they've spent a lot of money on R&D. So they're, they're really committing the company to making it work. If they don't make it work, it will be uh, a big hit on them. Right. At the moment, they've been growing at 17% a year, EPS, and which has been great, um, and all the all the uh, financial numbers are all really good. Okay. So we quite like it. We just think that the uh, the approach is aggressive. It's first time CEO, right? You know, list of a listed company, which is a bit of a risk. Doesn't mean yep. doesn't mean he won't be brilliant. Yep. Uh, everybody's a first timer at some stage. Yep. Uh, our view was we we're going to leave it for a year, okay. and then see see what happens. 
right. and, and then relook at it. So, so continue you, to watch. Yeah, to watch. Okay. All right, Scott, what do you think of class? Now, Mark's again nailed the, the description, Koshi. The, the real challenge for me with class is, and it's a little bit like the seed question you asked at the top of the show in terms of, you know, couldn't you just run the business for cash and let it do its thing? Well, no, everyone wants growth. To some degree, the class share price is priced for growth, but the company's not at the moment delivering that growth. A really disappointing first half result. Fascinating to see what happens, frankly, with the full year result given coronavirus. You would think this is a business that wouldn't suffer too much because of that. If we're all investing the same way, they're clipping the ticket on the assets. Maybe a little bit less of that to go around because shares are lower. Um, but very much a business that should continue, as, as Mark says, to have an annuity income stream. Now, that's all positive. The problem is that the annuity income stream doesn't grow, doesn't justify the lofty expectations of some of those price share, past share price peaks. I'll spit that out. Um, that that you know, investors have hopes for the company. And so the real question now is, is this still a growth industry? Is this still an area that you know, everyone wanted to be in this kind of wealth platform consolidation play was big and has been big? But at some point, everything comes to a, you know, a maturity point. Now, I don't necessarily think we're there yet as an industry, um, but there's nothing to really recommend the investment at the current price. If this becomes a very healthy cash flow business, that's great, but you're not going to pay growth multiples for a cash flow business. So I'd give it a miss until either we get some really reassuring numbers, which could be as early as this month, or the share price falls further and you get to buy a business that's not exactly X growth, but certainly in a more mature growth phase where you want to pay less lower growth. Okay. All right. Uh, good uh, analysis there uh, for you, Ross. Uh, just to recap on the first five stocks we've looked at, including our stock of the day, Seek, uh, a yes from Scott, a yes from um, Mark, if it can get it around um, $16 a share. Um, and if it does get to $16, Scott will be doubling down, <laughs> down on it as well, but a well-run company. Uh, IDP, another good company. Um, in the student placement uh, university market, uh, lots of headwinds, uh, probably a bit uh, wait and see how the whole coronavirus travel international student market works out. So a no on that. Uh, hold for, uh, for Credit Corp um, from Scott, a no from Mark. Uh, Flight Centre, uh, a hold on Flight Centre if you're, you're in it, well run company, but again, all this coronavirus on what's going to happen on travel. Mark reckons would prefer corporate travel rather than flight centre at this stage. Team invest private too early. It's got to get um, runs on the board before you can get an opinion on it. And uh, class, a watch from Mark and a no from Scott. Uh, as we tread into the head into the afternoon session um, of, uh, of Ausbiz, we're joined by uh, the Managing Director of Taylor's Wine. Mitch Taylor, wine exports have uh, gone down during COVID, but the prices have gone up. So what does this mean for the wineries? Importantly, their investors. Mitch Taylor joins us at 1.25 this afternoon, Eastern. That is on the pulse. All right, let's get into uh, the second uh, five of our stocks. And Scott, um, uh, Miso Blast, the... Uh, regenerative medicine company, uh, treatments for inflammatory ailments, cardiovascular disease, back pain, and also has had uh, a COVID story to go along with it. Yeah, and you know what, Koshi, no matter what you said before the word COVID story, uh, that doesn't matter to the share price, it's all about the COVID story right yeah. now. <laughs> if we see a graph of the performance of Mesoblast in the last couple of months, this is a, this is a massive punt by most in the market on maybe possibly sort of Mesoblast might have a solution. Um, and when you're paying four bucks for that hope, 
Uh, I'm, I'm, this is a very easy sell for me, a really, really easy sell. If you bought the shares anytime back before May, um, realistically, you know, I mean, there's no reason to believe Mesoblast will find a solution. Now, as again, a wide range of outcomes, right? Let's say in some alternative universe, Mesoblast finds a solution. This is probably a $40 stock, not just a $4 stock. And that's a pretty attractive story, right? So there's plenty of people who will say, if it is able to do X, then Y, every gold miner ever, every biotech ever, um, every every specky on the ASX ever has an if-then story. Um, and, and this is the Mesoblast one, right? Now, investors bidding it up just in case maybe possibly it does something. Here's the downside. If and when it doesn't do something, the price is going straight back to where it was pre-COVID. So you, you really are buying a lotto ticket here. And like lotto tickets, you're a very good chance of losing most, if not all of your money. You won't lose it all, it won't go broke. But realistically, you're very, very brave if you're buying at $4 on some sort of COVID inflated hopes. I mean, look at the look at the you know, the volatility there. It's been a gunner company for a very long time. Now, every biotech is, right? And we want those companies to be around. We want people out there trying to find the next cure or the next product or the next solution. The cochleas, the CSLs, the, um, you know, those uh, Vita Health are doing spray on skin. We want those businesses out there. We want them working hard to solve medical problems. So I love that they're there. It doesn't mean that you and I should necessarily come buy the shares. <laughs> Good point. I'd happily give a wide berth on. Okay. There was so much obvious corona-induced inflation in that share price. Yep. It's got to be successful now because if it doesn't, there's only one way the share price goes. Yep. If that's your investing style, knock yourself out. Too rich for me. Okay, Mark. Uh, completely agree. Yep. <laughs> um, the, other, the other problem they've got is if you look at the history of the company, uh, you know, I've got 10 years. So I'm not sure how much f further back it goes. Yeah. They've only ever made a profit in one year, which looks like they must have sold something in that year yeah. in 2016 or something. Because yeah. they had a big hit suddenly and then back to losing money as they always did. So they, they, they stay alive at the shareholder's expense. Right. Yeah, so they're going to keep raising money. They don't have a lot of debt. So you've got to, if you're losing, like there was six, the, neg the return on equity is negative 16.7%, which right. means you're losing 16% of your equity every year. If you're doing that, obviously you've got to get new equity in to keep the game going. Right. They have yet to convert this into a viable business. Okay. And Scott's completely right. It's an absolute long shot. And it's gone up 400% since the, oh. uh, the low. And done a it's, it's, it's a pure lottery <laughs> argument. But, it, but you get to say, well, what about CSL? Now, has CSL gone up 400%? No, because it's a much more expensive stock. But they yeah. have probably equally a good chance of uh, coming up with something for COVID as well, which they yeah. have They've got trials and things happening, yeah. uh, but people look at it and go, "Oh, but that's too expensive." Yeah. You know, so so, and the the reality is, if CSL nail uh, a COVID uh, vaccine, you know, they could double as well. Yeah. Or more. Sure. But CSL has a successful, viable, uh, reliable business. And they've got an ongoing business. Yeah, well, which means yeah. you don't have the downside risk. Yeah. You know, with yeah. CSL. So if you put your money into CSL, if you wanted to play this, the yeah. COVID one, you'd be you've got far less downside. Yep. I agree with Scott. This will go straight back to a dollar. Okay. If it, All if right. it doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, so, Deepak, there you go. A no on Mesoblast. Uh, Mark, Star Entertainment Group, the, um, uh, the big gaming organisation. Now, um, on Team Invest Filters, that sort of you avoid uh, a lot of your Team Invest members. Well, there's, there's a couple of them. Because these guys around. are casinos and gambling, yeah, yeah. You know, most members aren't interested and in ethical issues. We yeah. don't, we're not moralistic about yeah. this. You know, it's individuals do whatever they want. Yeah. It doesn't pass their filters though. Right. Okay. So it isn't, it isn't the Which is the more filter. important thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and the big one is the return on equity. It's never been above uh, 10, it's never even got to 10% ever. Wow. And that I've seen in 10 years, it's currently 5.8, which means they're only getting a 5.8% return on the equity in the business, which is miserable. Yeah. And casinos are meant to make money. Yeah, so forget well, COVID. You know, so forget, forget the impact of It's like of everyone COVID. says bookies the only one that make, yeah. make money in 
horse racing, you, right. know, you would think this would gambling. Well, maybe, I thought maybe the odds are stacked for them. Maybe they should get some of the old Las Vegas mafia to come right, over okay. and act as consultants. <laughs> okay. <'Cause laughs> on how to make money. They used to seem to make money, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the thing is, it, so taking COVID out altogether, it was a miserable performer right. uh, prior to right. that. And growth rate of 4% a year, just mediocre. Yeah. So it's not a capital killer, but it's yeah. just a mediocre uh, business. Uh, we've got it returning about 2.5% a year at the moment, not counting COVID. Right. Oh, wow. And COVID, they've been shut down. Yeah. So there's going to be massive hits and write downs as well. Yeah. So uh, the, share, the, the P is still on 18. So it's not, I don't think it's actually um, uh, been hammered. Well, it's half what it was arguably right. before COVID, but even then it was too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I would say it's now still too expensive for right. what the returns are. Okay. Uh, I don't mind, as Scott said, having a business that's not a growth business, but you've got to pay the right price for it. So yeah. 4% of growth per year if it's reliable and if their business is real well run. If you can pay sub uh, PE of 10, then yeah. you can get a decent return on it. Yeah. But not 18. Or, yeah. It's too expensive. Uh, Scott? Yeah, I agree with Mark. You know, it's one of those house always win stories that we hear so frequently that don't necessarily actually end up in reality. Crowd is the same, by the way. Both those businesses separately and together have been really underwhelming. Throw Sky City in, by the way. You've got three that, in theory, are licensed to print money that somehow they haven't been able to work out how to print money, uh, which you think is a little bit strange given how much we love a punt in Australia. Um, Stars assets too are not the prime assets that, say, Crown might have. If you think about Crown's casinos, including the new one at Barangaroo when it opens, um, compared to Stars assets, Gold Coast, Sydney, they're just not, they're not fantastic assets to own. Now, you can make money at some price, as Mark said, and maybe there is a bright future somehow for Star, but you kind of think, you know, if they haven't been able to make money while well, we spent 30 years out of recession, now we're in recession, even if gambling doesn't fall off, why would returns improve? You've got your theoretical win rate, you've got your cost of running those businesses, you've got the, the croupiers, you've got the attendance, you've got, you know, the, the property costs. Um, this has just been a business that hasn't been really particularly great. Maybe like Crown was going to do, if you separated the property costs from that and you just bought the operating casino, Maybe, just maybe, there's an ROE argument, a return on equity argument there for just the service business. A little bit like Westfield in the old days when you had Westfield, the manager, Westfield, uh, what's it called? I can't remember now. The Westfield development business anyway. And you had the Westfield Trust separately. The management business was great. If I could buy a casino operator and I have to own the real estate, I'd be much keener to, to jump in there. The problem is the cost of the real estate is just so overwhelmingly, you know, it, it's ballast um, on the returns. And that really makes sure. it very, very tough. So again, yeah. even with, the current, you know, kind of COVID issues, that adds more uncertainty. For businesses already doing badly, uh, ROE-wise, returns, total profit growth, all that kind of stuff, add in the COVID uncertainty and say, hang on, you want me to pay what for that? Um, I'd be selling. Okay, all right, so a no on Star Entertainment. Um, Scott, what about Chorus? Um, a suggestion from uh, Gillian, uh, Chorus Limited. Um, my understanding, it, it owns all does it own all the, the poles and wires and exchanges for the New Zealand electricity um, or no, telecommunications, phone lines yeah. and poles? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very much the, it, it, I mean, it's an imperfect analogy, but it's almost the, the New Zealand NBN. Um, the operator's on top of that, so it's been structurally separated uh, as the owner and uh, kind of manager of the physical infrastructure, and then others do their business on top of that. It's a really great question, actually, from Gillian, because they should look for something outside Australia, right? And New Zealand, which is effectively COVID-free, getting back to business, it's a really good question to say, hey, is there value over there that maybe doesn't exist here or in the US, or at least the, you know, the removal of uncertainty? If you operate just domestically in New Zealand, you should be able to have a pretty good go at working out what that business might look like, what it might be worth. Now, 
the, the flip side or the downside is that graph you're seeing right there. For a business that is an infrastructure business, has a whole lot of costs, a whole lot of physical infrastructure, uh, the, the current uh, dividend is about 3.2%. And of course, being a New Zealand business carries no franking for Australians. On top of that, the PE is something like 57, I think, if I remember rightly. That's a pretty unattractive opportunity, unfortunately. So I love Julian's thinking, saying, hey, is there some sort of, certainly some sort of defensive investment outside Australia that I can latch onto? Yeah. Great question, great line of thinking. And, and I would say yes, at a business level. And again, as we've said a few times this hour, separating the business from the investment, the difference is the share price, right? How much you're paying for it. Great performer, done really, really well. Unfortunately, part of that share price growth is just PE expansion, which again, if you own the stock is great. If you're buying now, you're paying 60 odd times earnings at a yield of 3.2%, not terrible. And look, if you own the banks and you want something a little more certain, maybe you might say, well, anything, you know, at least as New Zealand, it's defensive. It's not impacted <clears> by COVID, maybe you want to have some sort of defensive play. Just know if you're buying it, you're consigning yourself to subpar returns, maybe even negative returns. Now that might be okay for some people who just say, I, I don't care, just give me some sort of reliable income. The income's pretty reliable. I, I would absolutely say one of the best ASX investments when it comes to reliability of income for all those reasons. Unfortunately, though, you're probably going to have a capital struggle, if not a capital loss, if you buy a business like this at this sort of level. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, no, I concur with that. I'm even more negative on it than that. Right. Uh, and the reason is it's only it listed in 2011. Yeah. First two years, earnings grew. And then since then, it's been all downhill. Huh. So forget share price for a minute. Let's right. talk about earnings. Earnings have gone down from 35 cents in 2013 down to nine cents. Oh. Right, so it's a third. Because you think and it would be a reliable defensive So it's going style. down. So earnings going yeah. down. And then interestingly, how have they got around that? Well, they've added debt. So debt's gone from you know, up to 260 percent uh, debt oh, to equity so massive oh. amount of debt okay and then they're paying out like uh, for 2019 earnings were down uh 20 so because the earnings have been dropping at 17 percent a year so it's negative 17 percent average over the last okay. six years that's right. terrible right and then they've, 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 they've increased the debt and they're paying out a uh, much higher uh, payout ratio than the earnings so they didn't do it in the past but up for the last two years it was 137 percent payout which means they've had out more than they earn and then 229% in F19. So they're so borrowing to pay. They're borrowing pay money to pay a dividend, which, which is done with road infrastructure yeah, type things yeah, as well, yeah. which we don't understand. Yeah, because of the accounting. But, but if, you, if you think about it going forward, it, the sales are stable. You know, they're minus 2% a year, so they're pretty right. stable. They're not growing at all. Yeah. They're borrowing more money, and then they're paying it all out. And the PE is actually 70 times. Wow. 70 times. So it's not even 56, it's 70 times. So we're showing a negative return of 24.9% per okay. year for the next five years. So, so I think I think this is a, this could be a real capital killer because they're, they're raising, it's like they're doubling down all the time. Yep, okay. You know, and how, how do you keep doing that if all your right. actual earnings are going down? Uh, Mark, let's go back to retail. Nick yep. Scarley, yep. Um, which has had phenomenal sales. Uh, no, Nick Scarley is a, uh, definitely a Team Invest Wealth winner. Yep. So mo most Team Invest members have Nick Scarley shares. I do yep. too. Yeah. Uh, I did buy some in March. Okay. So, so this I, is the big furniture. Yeah. So Nick uh, Scarley, what, what we like about Nick Scarley is it's a founder CEO with um, Anthony Scarley as a son. Yeah. He, he runs the business. He's very, he's a bit like an accountant. He's not very flamboyant. We know him quite well. Right. Uh, very, very solid, <laughs> very conservative. Right. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a risk taker. Right. Uh, as such. Uh, they own nine of their major sites uh, that are in the major metro areas. Yep. So they don't have the rent issues that others uh, do. Okay. And they, they've got a bit of debt, but not much. And all of that's secured against property. So what they've done is when they build up spare cash, uh, more than they need to pay in dividends, 
they might buy a property if it seems like a good idea at the time and they won't borrow more than 50%. Oh. So they put 50% cash in, only secured on the property. So right. zero risk from a debt point of view. So we like that. Yeah. Uh, return on equity, 49% a year. In other words, they're making 50% wow. profit uh, on, on the working the capital in the company. Yeah. And the, the way they do that is their business model is um, they have showrooms and they have the lounge suites in the showrooms. And then basically what people do is they come in and they, they sell off the, uh, off, the, the, off the floor. So they don't deliver those. You order it. Yeah. Uh, you pay a deposit, which equates to what it costs Nick Scarly to manufacture it right. in Vietnam and some in China right. and so on. And then they drop ship it to oh. the person. So they don't have a stock. So they have no inventory. They, only, well, they, only, they don't have any inventory apart yeah. from display. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fabulous business. Yeah. We, we said to him once a few years ago, how come more people haven't copied you? And he said, beats him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he thought so as well. So, yeah. even at this share price? Well, well the earnings growth has been uh, 27% a year. Okay. And they've just come out and reported yeah. increase through Corona. Fabulous. Now, that is totally against what everyone was expecting. Because yeah. the assumption was, well, retail's dead. Yeah. We said, we've been saying for yeah, months yeah. now, yeah. retail is not dead. The best operators uh, are still doing very well. And what Nick Scarley had going for him was, during the lockouts and when a lot of the uh, social distancing was happening, people were looking for things to do. So, and they've done, they're doing up the houses and they're spending right. money on things. Like, I've been fixing okay. my boat up. You, know, you, yeah, do, yeah. you do stuff that you've got time to do, which normally you don't. And so also, they go you're in not, there and let's you're go not spending on overseas holidays. Yeah, that's right. And we bought some blinds <laughs> and the, I spoke to yeah. the blind person. So they're absolutely flat out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't keep okay. up with the demand. All right. Good so company. yes, uh, it's on a P of 15 and we're showing it returning wow. 31% a year on wow. the current trend if they keep okay. going. P of 15. So uh, a, Scott, it's what do you think? Look, I can't disagree with any of Mark's analysis of the business itself, a really, really impressive track record of growth, um, doing doing a fantastic job. And as, as Mark said, this the COVID thing is a really fascinating recession, right? And, and fascinating for us who are unimpacted by still have jobs. So I guess, you know, let's be, uh, let, let's be a little bit uh, sensitive. But the reality is that people are still spending money because most of the job losses have been in the areas where disposable income isn't high. Now think about retail workers, tourism workers, they tend to be part-time casual younger workers. We know it's hit those people disproportionately hard. Those with houses, with the disposable income or the savings or whatever, who actually improve their homes or, again, as Mark said, yeah. you know, my, my four-wheel driving experience earlier in the, earlier in the uh, last <laughs> month, um, you know, you bought ARB shares. Drive shop at ARB and said, "Mate, can you get me any sales? It's going to be a month and a half away." Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so realistically, there are businesses for, so, catering for those people who have money yeah. to spend. The white collar, you know, more affluently, simply less, you know, less blue collar, less sort of part-time jobs haven't been impacted anywhere near as much as those others. And so we've got a really different recession this time around. Now mm. it may still come, and that's the note of caution. But it's hard to go past Nick Scarley right now. I'm, I'm probably. I'm probably allergic to paying kind of almost you know record prices or at least very high prices, pre-pandemic prices for almost any business unless they're seeing really meaningful ongoing growth. If there's any Nick Scully's, probably one amongst that group. I've got to be a little bit more conservative and call it a hold, but uh, Mark may know it better than me. I certainly wouldn't be selling it at this point. They put all the runs on the board. They're yep. the business you want to give scope. The founder owners, high insider ownership, great track record, really good recent performance. You sell those ones very, very, very slowly. Okay. All right. You're on a winner there, Marco. Thank you for the suggestion. Now, we're quickly running out of time, so we're a bit squeezed here, Scott. Uh, Nick has asked for a uh, recommendation on Pain Check. Uh, it's a pain assessment tool that's had clearance in Australia and, and Europe uh, using AI, facial recognition, um, allows um, clinics to monitor pain in patients. What do you think of uh, Pain Check? 
Really cool idea, really cool tech. Hopefully this continues to work and becomes some standard of care. It particularly works for those who aren't verbal. So if you think about a patient who can't express the fact they're in pain, yeah. a technology that allows people to actually assess that from the outside mm. without their verbal cue is, is wonderful standard of living improvement for those people. So desperately hope it's successful as a technology. I have to say, and, and the numbers, by the way, are pretty good. They're increasing the number of clinics uh, or a number of uh, homes or, or facilities and the sheer number of um, patients or, sorry, clients are signed up are increasing as well. So more clients in total, more locations and getting federal government grant for the implementation. They're really good signs, but this is still really small, really early, really speculative for me. Um, that, that graph alone should tell you exactly everything you need to know. Right. Um, again, but unless you're super risk-seeking, I would give this one a miss. Watch it yep. closely. If it adds to the track record, then maybe there's a chance to buy. I would be buying it right now. Uh, well, we couldn't deal with it. It, it, it. It's never made a profit. In fact, I'm still yeah. showing it with zero sales. So I wonder whether right. the clients they're getting in the clinics, they're actually putting it in a, on trial at no, at right. no charge because okay. I'm not showing any revenue at all right. on the on the latest. Uh, and it, last year, we went through 79% of its capital. Okay. So uh, yeah, right. very, very high on the speculative end. Okay. All right. So uh, let's just recap the final five. Miso Blaster, no. Star Entertainment, no. Uh, chorus uh, a no. Nick Scarley, big tick from uh, Mark on the, the figures. Uh, phenomenal for a retailer. Um, Scott likes it as well, but probably would be a hold just to see how it pans out over the uh, the next uh, couple of months or, or a year or so with COVID. And uh, pain check, uh, very, very speculative if you... Yeah, you know, uh, both the guys wouldn't be investing, but it's extraordinarily speculative to go through uh, if you want a bit of a punt. Um, Mark Morland from Team Invest, good to see you, mate. Thank good, you for that. Thank you. Good to see, see you. See you next time, Scott Phillips. Uh, happy adventures. Good to see you. Thank you. Fingers crossed.